Hi, I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Plasek. And this is Generation BSC, the podcast where we deep dive into each Babysitter's Club book and take a look at how they shaped us um, as women of the elder millennial or Generation <laughs> Catalano or the Oregon Trail generation, any of those names, um, we are claiming it for ourselves as Generation BSC. Um, but we're also very excited because with the advent of the new show, we're hoping we're going to get another generation of BSC girls coming along. So, yes. Well, and um, I think even even disregarding the show, like I have a friend whose daughter is, I think, nine right now, and she's like... She's, I'm her library for Babysitter's Club. She's like reading them all now. Like, that's so exciting. Which I'm like obsessed with. And it's, it's so funny because I'm like, I want to just like give her all of them. But Susan's very much like, okay, she's finished with this one. Can we have this next one? I'm like, can I, I've read up through 16 now. Do you just want the first 16? <laughs> but I'll, I'll give that's them so to her one at a time. But yes, I, I love that. I love that we can call ourselves Generation BSC, but there's this new and probably, like, and I think we've sort of talked about this offline a couple of times, mm-hmm. but like everyone that grew up with Generation, with Babysitter's Club is part of Generation BSC, even though when we started talking about this podcast and claimed Generation BSC as our own, it's really everyone who grew up with it is Generation BSC, which I kind of love. I do too. I love that that, um, I think now more than ever, um, because of our access to so much media, it's become eternal in a way that really mm-hmm. wasn't. Um, it, you know, as much as people can laugh at some of the fashion stuff and, oh boy, I've got a doozy to point out in this book. Right. Um, it, but the core of the ideas are pretty timeless. Mm-hmm. And, and that's um, definitely been really exciting to, to witness. And I, and especially what's been exciting for me is watching our understanding of what Generation BSC means mm-hmm. um, expand as we've done this. Which is super, super cool. Yeah, I love it. We're just so clever. <laughs> or we're, maybe we're too clever for our own goods because we had to figure it out. You know, over, I think it was, it was only in, in the last couple of books that we sort of realized Generation BSC is not just us and our micro generation. <laughs> so it certainly took right. us long enough to come around and be a little bit smarter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're just like all human beings, a little self-centered and have a tendency to see fair the world enough. through our own lens. So that is fair. I'll let us off the hook for that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but I'm, I think what I'm most excited about, about this newest generation of, of BSC girls and boys, that's girls is mm-hmm. not fair or non-binary or the newest generation BSC period. Exactly. Um, is that they're already making it their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to have a new group of girls to watch in the TV show. They have graphic novel versions of the books now as well. Um, Little Sister is now, they're starting those graphic novels to start even younger. Um, so I'm, I'm loving that it's evolving, which mm-hmm. is uh, not even our perspective of it, but um, how the world interacts with these books is evolving. And, and I think that that's the mark of something truly um, long lasting mm-hmm. and um, bridging gaps uh, across generations and okay that we we just got very highfalutin about the babysitters club but <laughs> yes and, and um, it's all because of what we're doing we're the highfalutin yes. ones <laughs> <laughs> i just mean we are witnesses to yes. the highfalutin we're here to document and discuss <laughs> exactly um and you i i don't know about you but i am so excited to have just this little piece of it, it is so much fun mm-hmm. for, for me oh for sure 
I said, I don't know about you. Like, we know you're right. <laughs> um, this is, this is the time Lauren, I think we need to have a conversation about how much I hate this and sorry, everyone. It's our last episode ever. <laughs> okay. Fair point. Well, if it's going to be our last episode, at least we're going out on a really high note, uh, uh book wise. So that is very true. Um, yeah. As, as so- we discussed, we both loved this book. I guess we should tell you yes. what book it is. It's Jesse's Secret Language, which is book 16 in the regular series. So it's our first Jesse book. We both loved it. Hopefully we'll have enough to talk about, not just be like, oh my God, it was so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I don't feel like that's going to be a problem. It really never is for us. And in Very this one true. in particular, there's some, pr- there's some weighty topics. Yes. Um, so let's start off by seeing what the back of the book tells us about Jesse's adventures. All right. Jessie knows a secret language, exclamation point. (laughs) She learned it from Matt Braddock, the BSC's newest charge. Matt's been deaf since birth, and he uses sign language to speak. Since Jessie is Matt's babysitter, she has to use sign language, too. Soon, all the kids in Stony Brook want to learn to sign, which keeps the members of the Babysitter's Club busy. Jessie's the busiest of all. She's working on another super secret, just for Matt. Will Jessie be able to keep the secret and pull off her special event? Of course she will. She's a member of the Babysitter's Club. (laughs) As much as we love this book, that back is... Oh, wow. A lot. It is so extra. And it's focused on things that are not actually... as I mean, sort of going back to what it used to be. Like, this super secret with Matt is a very, like, sort of minor thing toward the end of the book that is... Yeah, the secret part of it was a throwaway. Right. The actual what she plans is huge and great. Right, and it's like, also not that it's a for secret. Matt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's. I mean, he may have inspired it, but right. well, well, we'll get to all of that. Um, what I really, what made me crack up was that last sentence. Of course she will. She's a <laughs> member of the Babysitters Club, which, if there is a thesis um, for. The books, but especially the books as they exist in the back covers. <laughs> That's <Yes>. it. <laughs> that is a very true statement. <laughs> All right. So why don't you put us out of our misery and tell us what actually happened? You know, okay. the good stuff. The real nitty gritty of it. Not just, of course you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the Jesse specific plot as I already said, Jesse gets her first book, exclamation point. Um, this book is pretty much all Jesse, with the general plot being pretty focused on her as well. But the main Jesse-specific plot focused, it focuses with her uh, ballet school in particular. We see her dealing with jealousy and racism from some of her fellow students who, shock, turn out to be jealous because she's the youngest student while also being the most talented. Jesse's school puts on a performance of Capalia, and Jesse's cast as a lead, Swanhilda. Jessie is, by all accounts, very talented and a beautiful dancer, and by the end of the book, the shitty girls are slightly less shitty, Katie Beth in particular, because Jessie helps her learn how to interact with and speak with her younger sister, who turns out to be deaf. So, the Babysitter's Club generally, Matt and Haley Braddock move to Stony Brook with their family and need a regular babysitter two afternoons a week. Jessie's the only member whose schedule works for the the job, so she takes it on. Matt is deaf, so Jessie ends up having some pre-sitting visits with the family to learn about deafness and ASL and get to know Matt and Haley better. Jessie throws herself into learning sign language, and she and Mallory end up getting all the kids in the neighborhood interested in learning it as well by calling it a quote-unquote secret language while babysitting for Mallory's siblings and using it to get them to calm down. It works out well, and Matt and Haley find themselves integrated into the neighborhood friend groups and... uh, and fun without too much issue. <laughs> I was like, and fun. What fun? The neighborhood fun, obviously. So the Haley, fun, you know, the, the fun the we're fun. not having right now. <laughs> exactly. 
How could I have been so stupid to quote Hermione? Um, because you have, um, you've been in lockdown for six weeks true. and we are, are not having. <laughs> well, um, well, even more than that, the concept of neighbor- neighborhood fun has become true. foreign to us. <laughs> fun only in my house with no other people except my husband and my dog. That's it. No other fun is allowed. <laughs> no. We've taken hashtag no new peeps to a whole new level. True. <laughs> so, so true. Um, okay, so to, to wrap up the general Babysitter's Club plot, Haley tells Jesse that Matt's never seen any kind of performance, which gives Jesse the great idea, which I put in quotes because it's, you know, mm-hmm. her own great idea, to have a special deaf-friendly event on opening night at Capalia with Haley and Mrs. Braddock narrating the ballet for Matt and his classmates and Katie Beth's sister. There's a lot that happens in this book. There is. I, I really, I loved this one. I feel like we're getting to be a broken record. Um, but the last couple of books have really just been mm-hmm. knocking it out of the park, um, which I know that not all of them do. We are inevitably, getting, inevitably going to crash down yes. to earth at some point. Um, but for the moment, I will take it. This one was a delight. Um, and I, I'm, not, I'm not speaking out of turn to say that when we had our um prep conversation for this week's episode both of us were like i'm a big fan of jesse right (laughs) yeah it's like um i feel like maybe because and i think i put this somewhere in my notes but i feel like maybe the reason that i didn't like jesse and mallory as much when i was reading these as a child discounting the fact that i thought mallory was annoying was because they were closer in age to me like Agreed. the, I the had main that same girls thought. had their, they were 13 and they were, you know, years and years ahead of where I was. And Jesse and Mallory just felt like they were only slightly older than I was. And basically they're the babies of the group. So I think, I think that's why I just sort of discounted them because they weren't the cool kids, at least not as cool. So I, it's and just, it's so interesting now looking back, like they're, they're both great characters. <laughs> At least to this point. Well, we're yes. reserving the right to change our mind on Mallory. But for now, I agreed completely. And I, I you know, I had that same thought around, oh, um, I uh, I was less tolerant of them because I was them and I wanted to be the cool older girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of their, they don't really show up in this one, but I remember them being more, a little bit more thirsty about yes. the Babysitter's Club at times. And I remember being even at that age, sort of profoundly embarrassed, like, ugh, don't do that, because I knew that was very me. <laughs> right. It's like, I know um, I would be doing the same thing, and I want you guys to not do it, because it's. I feel embarrassed on your behalf, because I know what I would feel like if I were doing that. And and worse, like, I'm I'm feeling embarrassed and go, looking at you going, ugh, you're so uncool, while knowing I'm doing those same exact things. So therefore, someone else is rolling their eyes and going, ugh, you're so uncool <laughs> to me. Exactly. Um. And I think part of it, too, is um, what we want out of stories, or at least for me, what I I can't speak for everybody, but what I'm looking for out of a story um, has changed somewhat as I've grown as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I I still love fantasy and I still love um, being transported to a world that, you know, has nothing to do with my real life. But if I'm reading something that's grounded more in reality, I want something that's either going to reflect something about my experience or show me an experience that I have no I have no basis for mm-hmm. um, to open my eyes in that way. Um, and whereas as a kid, um, I couldn't get enough of, of reading about um, teenagers and high school and mm-hmm. college and I mean, not college at that age yet. I was too young for that. But I remember, you know, in 
high school reading the Sweet Valley University books and like couldn't mm-hmm. wait till I got to, to college where there was um, I was definitely one of those kids who couldn't wait to grow up. Yeah. And I was looking for that in my books, which makes sense. Why I would identify more with the older girls than the younger ones? Yeah, no, that makes that- sense. Uh, definitely. I, I agree with you completely on that. When I was reading books when I was younger, to the, to the same extent, where it wasn't fantasy sort of transporting me to another world, it was more like aspirational. Like, I can't mm-hmm. wait That's until exactly. I can't wait until I'm that age and experiencing these same types of things and being cool because I mean, I'm because I think and maybe you were the same way. Like, I saw basically everyone older than me as being cooler than I was, even oh, like the 100%. huge nerds. So like, I, I knew about myself that I was going to continue to be the nerd that I was. But like, being older would make me cooler automatically. So like, I just wanted to be older. And, and the, I mean, this goes back to what we've been talking about since the first book. Like, nobody wants to be seen as babyish, especially when you're, exactly. you know, 11, 12, 13. And even into high school, like, everyone wants to seem older. Like, even when you're 14, you want to be 16 so you can drive. And when you're 16, you want to be 18 so you can go to college. And, like, when you're 18, you want to be 21 so you can go out and go to bars and drink. Right. And it, it's just, like, it. and I think we've touched on this before. It's like, we're now at the age where it's like, yeah, no, I'm good. Like I, I yeah, like I was where gonna I say. am. Like I, I'm not, I'm not searching for the next step. Which maybe is just because like we don't really have any like Big next milestones age left. threshold. Like it's like okay, every like five years is like a milestone birthday. But that's just because we decided that those numbers had a certain meaning. It's not because yeah. like anything changes. You know, like I've I've been in basically the same situation, lifestyle wise, job wise. I mean, I have had different jobs, but like. I've, I'm in the same house. I'm in the same relationship. Like, I, I think I'm foreseeing that this will be the same for the future. You know, like, there, I'm not foreseeing any major changes in my life and my lifestyle. You have chosen the life you wanted. You've built the life you've wanted. And now you're living it. Exactly. Rather than looking forward to what kind of life you wanted to build. Yes. Um, it, I think where you are, how satisfied you are with what your life looks like really is far more important than your age. Yeah. Um, which, because I've known plenty of 23-year-olds who are way more mature than some 30-year-olds that I've dated. So do with that what you will. But, <laughs> right. Um, so go figure. Uh, we're on sidetracked. But at least it was a deep philosophical sidetrack and not just <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> and inspired um, by the book itself. So I think fair we're, point. I think we're safe. <laughs> so... Um, I will, I will be honest with this one. I was really expecting going into being like, okay, here's our introduction to Jesse. This is going to be the race book. This is where right. we're going to get into her experience from her perspective and, um, was really surprised. I mean, obviously we knew that the, the secret language was, um, sign language. We both guessed that, uh, to varying degrees of accuracy last time. Um, but I think I was surprised how much it was quote unquote the deaf book mm-hmm. um, where that was the, the, the after school blossom special, if you will, um, topic of it, which I, I thought was an interesting choice um, to take the um, one of the one of the minority characters and especially the brand new introduced minority character who you've already brought up some racial issues around and then pivoted to a completely different issue of the week. I don't know if that's a good choice, a bad choice. I don't. Do you have any thoughts on it either way? I think, I mean, I, as I said when we had our pre-conversation, the, the deafness storyline was definitely very heavy-handed in how they addressed mm-hmm. it and moved through the story. I do sort of appreciate, and I don't know if appreciate is even the right word, but like, 
I think it was maybe the right choice in the story because there are several um, instances in the book where um, Jesse can relate to what Matt and Haley are going through because she is obviously for very different reasons, an outsider of her own in Stony Brook. And I think the conversations that she has with Haley in particular, um, I think are really interesting and give a good mm-hmm. insight into that. Um, as compared to the conversation that Becca has when um, I think Christy's babysitting and she doesn't right. really understand, like Christy is sort of trying to explain to Becca that like she also had trouble fitting in when she moved to um, Watson's house after her parent, after her mom and Watson got married and Becca doesn't understand how Christy could feel like an outsider because she's white. She's now rich. She doesn't have any, you know, disabilities or handicaps or anything that Becca would see as holding her back. And I think that that was an interesting thing to include, but I don't know that we could have gotten the same sort of examination from inside a character's head of the situation if it wasn't coming from another outsider character. Um, I agree. I just, I, I think my, the thing I keep bumping up against is, um, did it, why did it have to be an issue book right away? Like, why couldn't right. her introduction be something um, more non-heavy the way that a lot of the other girls um, had offerings that way? But I guess, you know, Stacy's first book was all about her diabetes. I guess I'm more comparing to um, the representation when it comes to Claudia. And, you know, as much as they mention her family being Japanese American, there is very little examination of that. There's no discussion about how that makes them different from the rest of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's very fascinating to see the way, the different ways in which race is approached. Um and I, I think that probably says a lot about the climate at the time. Definitely. Um, the fact that Claudia was Asian is, is huge. I mean, just cannot be underemphasized. But I think that that was probably some hesitancy to get into what that conversation looked like because um, it's not as familiar to mm-hmm. middle America, whereas an African-American family moving to a white town, that's pretty well-trod territory. Right. Um I, I don't know if that was a consideration at all. I, I, this is pure speculation, obviously. We have no idea what was going on <laughs> right. at Scholastic or in Anna Martin's mind. Um, but, like, I, I do agree. That, and, and one of my favorite things about this book was the way in which um, they were able to have some pretty nuanced and thoughtful conversation around um, anything that makes someone different being the thing that scares people and that people react to versus any particular race or disability or um, socioeconomic status or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I loved that, that, that this afforded those conversations. And I, so I, I completely think that um, having Jesse be the one to um, have the, the deaf book, if you will, um, make sense. I just wish we had had a little bit longer to get to know her as a person where she mm-hmm. had more characteristics beyond ballerina and black um, before we started saddling her with the other issue stuff. That's um, fair. I, I, yeah. I, I just think that there's sometimes a burden of the minorities to explain to everyone else, you know, get your shit together. Right. And, yeah. No, that um, that's definitely an issue that comes up, not just in the babysitters club, but across many yeah, the different world. things like right even yeah in the in the world today a lot of white people rely on 
non-white people to teach them when and I know we've we've said that on occasion but I think we're doing what we can to try to you know learn for ourselves we're not expecting anyone to teach us and but there are definitely people that expect other people that are having different experiences to teach them what it means and how they should react when they should really be taking the burden on themselves to to try to figure that out and approach it with um, a lot more sensitivity than I think a lot of people do. I agree. I think it's, I think there's a difference between being open to hearing other people's experience and relying on other people to Do point the work out for that things are shitty. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, that and makes sense. I, and I think to be fair, it's not just white people and race. It's any right. group that doesn't fully understand that uh, uh, the majority to a minority, whatever that is, whether right. that's right. around sexuality, racial, socioeconomic, gender, Even gender. Yeah. Gender is a big one that I was thinking of uh, right off the top of my head. Is that I? Uh, it's very common now to see cis people expecting trans people of any kind to um, explain or justify or almost like a debate. <laughs> D- debate me to prove you're the right. you're allowed to exist. Right? Why? Um, why should I? I shouldn't. I don't. I personally don't feel like I should automatically accept what you are, who you are, what your positions are. So I need you to convince me that you're okay, which is ridiculous. (laughs) But that's definitely the way that a lot of people react to, like you said, the minority or just any other, whatever that other is. Mm -hmm. Um, To circle back to the book in particular, I was a little bit, not a little bit, I was disappointed in it. And the fact that we never got any viewpoints from the actual deaf people you know, That's Matt, so, Matt yeah. and Adele is, so Adele is Katie Beth, the girl that Jesse dances with. Her younger sister, Adele, <laughs> that was so roundabout <laughs> to say that. Jesse dances with Katie Beth. Katie Beth has a younger sister who is deaf. Her name is Adele. So Adele and Matt have very little to say or do in this book, aside from mm-hmm. be deaf, which is... I think that's where my my feeling that the the deafness aspect of this book was so heavy handed because there was a lot of yes. talking around deafness and around deaf individuals and I know that Mrs. Braddock when she's ex- sort of explaining the life situation and ASL and everything to Jesse when she first comes over to meet Matt and Haley there's a lot of talking about different positions or schools of thought on how to approach other people's deafness and mm-hmm. while that is definitely something that should be talked about because that is i mean i feel like up until probably even like the 50s maybe like that was how it was very much focused on and i feel like there's been some change since then but i i wish that there had been more of a a discussion about how matt feels about the fact that his family all learned asl and they're all able to communicate and the neighborhood is learning asl and the fact that adele never gets to say like why the hell am I living at this quote unquote special school (laughs) and my sister and my parents don't know any way to communicate with me. And they just sort of like use vague hand motions and ignore her. And she's barely ever home. Like I want to know what, how Matt feels and how Adele feels. And I, we don't get that from this. And that's, I think that's my biggest disappointment with this book. As much as I loved it. (laughs) Yes. I'm a little regretful that we immediately jumped into some of the thornier issues because it does make us sound like we're we're more down (laughs) on the book than we actually are. But I I, I think it's absolutely fair to criticize and want something more out of something you love that we know can 
be mm-hmm. something. Um, and to criticize is not to say that we didn't enjoy and that it's not important. Um, we've, we've sort of circled around this. We've touched on it a couple of times, but I just we just want to unequivocally say the level of representation in these books of all sorts is incredible. For a children's series written in the late 80s, early 90s, is is astounding. Like, think about how long it took to get um, an Asian-American lead on a television series. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I mean, we had the, the Margaret Cho show, but then how many years was it before Fresh Off the Boat came around? That's that's insane. And yet, Claudia was just there, existing for yeah. these little girls. Um, so, I, I, the, I will be totally honest. I definitely had a... A, a huge fascination with American Sign Language and deaf culture that I can honestly say sprung directly from this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a, it's actually a gorgeously illustrated um, alphabet of the ASL sign language um, alphabet. And that was given to me as a gift as a child. And it's still one of my prized possessions. It's absolutely stunning. Um, and I remember uh, Reading this again, too, I recently rewatched um, Mr. Holland's Opus, and mm-hmm. he, he has that um, emotional um, – if you haven't seen it, it's very cheesy. It doesn't hold up entirely well. <laughs> um, but I had a massive crush on Richard Dreyfus as a kid, um, which is oh, – I, I, yes, I said that I, sentence I, out loud. I, I don't um, – they're not even words. We're, we're just going to – you just keep talking because I we can't unpack that. We only have like a half hour ish left of this episode, so we'll maybe we'll save that for a very special episode. We'll watch like Close Encounters and Jaws and Stand by Me, and we can talk about it in more detail. Nope it's it's one movie. It's Goodbye Girl. I mean, Jaws helped because I was a huge horror movie fan as a kid, but uh, still, um, and we watched Jaws as a lot as a family. That was one of our family movies. Which, yes, I, I understand that that sounds twisted as well. <laughs> but, um, yes, in any case, um, one of the major plot points in that was the fact that he refused, or not refused, but he was reluctant to learn sign mm-hmm. language. And he wanted to um, push his son, Cole, into um, being more, nor- quote-unquote, normal right. and learning to lip-read. So, you know, put the onus on him to to learn. Um, and And I was thinking about that same... Um, that same concept when we were talking about Adele and I was like, dude, I want to get into that. I, that is woof. That is intense. And, mm-hmm. and we're not really, I mean, granted, this is an 11 year old girl being told that information. I, she probably, I obviously didn't process it as a kid. Right. So it makes total sense that Jesse didn't, but, um, I did note in the back of the book in the, her uh, letter, in Anna Martin's letter, she did note that she has no experience with deafness, that she was just fascinated by the culture and wanted to include a character. And while that we do admire that urge for representation, is this the best person to be telling that story? Should we right. have brought in somebody so that we could, actually could hear Matt Bradley? It does – Matt – is that his name? Matt Bradley? Brad Braddock. Brad, Matt, Bra- Matt Bradley is from um, – I think the Goldbergs is a character named Matt Bradley. <laughs> um, in any case, um, I, I definitely, in reading that note, I went, mm-hmm, yep, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You can feel that these are characters talking about deafness mm-hmm. rather than um, an actual lived-in experience. Right. Um, even in some of the language that they use. So um, I, I looked up, in the in the book, they refer to American Sign Language as Am, AMSLAN, A-M-E-S-L-A-N. Um, and I just, I was curious. I had never heard that phraseology before. I'd ne- never heard that name. Um, so I did a quick Google search and apparently it's something that was coined by non-deaf people as a way to slangify, I guess, 
ASL um, that was ne that never really caught on and has sort of fallen by the wayside. Um, but they do refer to Matt a couple of times throughout the book as disabled. And I was curious about that, that language. Um, and that definitely, as represented in the book, as you talked about Miss Braddock's, um, there are multiple ways of, of approaching deafness conversation. Uh, that's definitely one of them as well. Mm -hmm. um, I have no one in my life that um, is deaf. Kate, you said that the same went for you. So mm -hmm. I, I don't want to speak to anybody else's experience. Um, but I wish that there would have been some other voice that 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 was interrogating it a little bit more from the inside. Mm -hmm. And then again, are we asking too much from a children's book? Like, <laughs> I mean, we did have the same, I mean, I think it was even the last episode. We, we had the same yeah. conversation about Jesse and, um, you know, being black and moving to a white community. And did anyone think to maybe ask a black person what they went through? I mean, but like we said, that's, I mean, it, it's a children's book. It, it's, it's, and as you already said in this episode, it's great that there's even any, representation at all of these types of issues so maybe we need to give it a little bit of a pass <laughs> and say yeah. appreciate it for what it is and not expect it to and I think we've had this conversation on multiple books but we can't we can judge it by today's standards but we can't hold it to today's standards you know like yeah, so if, think... if this book was being written today certainly well not certainly again because we had this conversation but presumably there would be a better more well-rounded conversation to be had in the book, in the way that things are presented. But it was 1988. Was anyone even thinking about that? Probably not. So thankfully, Anna Martin wanted the the character, the representation at all. So we have some of that. But can we hold it against yeah. her for not <laughs> delving deeper and trying to have the voice of the characters who are deaf actually come through? Yeah, I, I think that that's going to be something we're going to continue to butt up against because mm -hmm. I in my recollection, the, the very special episodes, um, do continue. Um, and, and I think that that's fair, just like we said about it's okay to criticize art. That doesn't mean you don't love it. Right. Um, and I really do think these are, can hold up to that. The fact that we're having these conversations, the fact that we're able to approach them with some critical analysis tells you how much that there is there, you know, mm -hmm. we couldn't, I'm just thinking of like the Saddle Club, like Brienne mentioned to us, or um, the Sleepover Friends. That was another one of those series that I read, and mm -hmm. like I can't imagine going back and rereading the Sleepover Club books and having in-depth conversations about representation and otherness and right. the the um, responsibility of um, people to you know do their own research. I, I don't think it would bring up any of that. So the sheer fact that it's leading to these conversations just goes to show how how great they are in the mm -hmm. first place what which is so exciting so definitely um, any anything else to add about the the deafness of it all the how they approached it it's bearing on the plot um i'm not sure i mean i th i think it was a good choice that they didn't just have Matt. They had Haley also. Because I think that Agreed. as much as we didn't get Matt's voice, we did get the voice of someone who... And this... I think Haley's experience, it, it sort of transcends her sibling being deaf. It just... Because mm -hmm. her real issues in this book is dealing with, you know, moving to a new town with a brother who is seen as different, particularly when I think she's nine and Matt is seven. And so those 
as much as we love kids being, you know, sort of like, okay, great, you're a new kid, like, let's play. The the fact that it's difficult to communicate with him immediately, you know, Haley's clearly had some experience being rejected because her brother's different. And I think it's it's was a really interesting viewpoint to see a character that has had that kind of experience and explain where she's coming from. And, you know, she goes from being sad for herself and for Matt to being angry at Matt because if he wasn't around, she would just be a normal kid. And I think I think that's a really good thing to show kids that are reading these books as they're growing up is like it's okay to be sad or angry that your life has this extra layer of difficulty in certain situations, but you also need to love your siblings and sort of try to see past that and continue to be supportive. And I, I really loved that we saw both sides of where she was coming from. Yeah. I, I think of all the characters, like you said, Matt was kind of a non-entity. Mm-hmm. He, he was more of a symbol than anything else. Um, his only personality, like Jesse, to this point, we said black and ballerina, his are what, deaf and baseball? That's kind of all we know, even after the end of this book, that's all still all we really know about him. Whereas we did get some really incredibly nuanced conversation from Haley around that, that push-pull of of, um, not even just being the sibling of of someone with needs of some kind, um, but of all sibling relationships, that way that you can hate them mm-hmm. with such ferocity and love them in the same moment. And like, you can be absolutely talking about what a terrible piece of crap human being they are. And the second somebody says even slightly, they, they agree with you. You're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. That's exactly. my brother. That's my sister. Right. Um, I can feel this way, but you can't. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, that special way that siblings can infuriate you the way that no one else in this world can, like, um, because they know exactly which buttons to push, um, because they're their bus- buttons too. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, there's something really special about that relationship, and I-, I love that they did get get into that, and they they had that with um, Claudia and Janine on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, that that push pull, I I think um, they do overall. Come now that I'm like going through the relationships in my brain, they do a really good job. They and to this point, <laughs> right has done a. I, we're not at they yet. Um, Anne has done a really good job of building realistic and identifiable sibling relationships, mm-hmm. which is shockingly hard to do. Um, Sarah Bunting from Television Without Pity back in the day, uh, now of Extra Hot Great, if, if you are interested. Um, she always talks, that's one of her like television peccadillos is people who get siblings wrong Mm -hmm. and it is when she points it out it is shocking how many places get sibling relationships i'm like have you ever met somebody with a sibling before what is happening (laughs) are all tv writers only children what is happening how do you not i I guess how how are you writing this so poorly (laughs) my favorite is when it's actually written well but the actors just have chemistry that is uncomfortable and that happens so often (laughs) and you're like you're, you're like oh you know this was not what was intended but you get two sexy people together, like having an intimate scene. And even though that intimacy is supposed to be, you know, platonic, it doesn't always read that way. Right. Comes um, across slightly differently. Um, which, you know, if they aren't written as, as uh, siblings, make some of the best and 
most enduring uh, TV pace- pairings. I'm thinking of like Pacey and Joey in particular. Mm-hmm. That was never the intention. It was just those two actors had such palpable chemistry with each other that that's where the story went. But unless you're telling a very unique story, that's not where your story's going. <laughs> if you've yes. written them as brother and sister. So, um, so I, I really did love that throughout all of them, you know, Mallory and the Pikes do that really well. Mm-hmm. Well, and even Jesse with Becca and Squirt, because mm-hmm. I think when she and Haley are talking about it in this book, she, you know, points out the different relationships with both of them. Obviously, Squirt's like 14 months, so he's not quite at the same level, but, you know, she has the same situation. She can commiserate or not commiserate. I mean, kind of commiserate, yeah. but like commiserate, yeah. identify with what Haley's describing in that, you know, I think her example is that Becca was sick and uh jesse had to stay home from i think ballet class to watch squirt because becca was sick and so she was mad at becca and mad at squirt for having for being there that she has to babysit him Mm -hmm. and but then comes around and is like these are my siblings like i love them of course i'm i don't hate them hate them but you know it's it it is what it is you siblings are you love them and you hate them i think in some ways they're the easiest person to hate because they're the safest person to hate because Very true. you hate them all you want. They're your family and um, they're not going anywhere, which yeah. to be fair, that's an incredibly privileged perspective as well. Not <laughs> that's what I was just going to say. Um, Families but, are not automatically um, the best. We both acknowledge yes. how lucky and privileged we are when it comes to these types of things. And we both have very loving, supportive families and we acknowledge that we are very privileged in that because there are definitely people who have a right to hate their families and do. Yes. And who um, don't feel safe to, uh, you know, get angry because the relationships are unstable. So that is, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. And I I feel very lucky to, to have siblings that I can hate as much as I want to. (laughs) Yes. Agreed. Um, Um, Anything else on the, the deaf aspect of the book and the story that you wanted to talk about? No, I'm ready to talk about ballet. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Cause the Jesse's ballet class is literally every ballet class in any pop culture you could ever watch, mm-hmm. read, listen to. I was like, that's like my notes is like, OMG, like this is, this is every ballet class ever. <laughs> and so did you take ballet as a kid? I did not. <laughs> Um, I did for a surprisingly long time. I loved it. I'm not what you'd call graceful. Um, klutzy is far more likely a descriptor, but I will tell you that the, that description of the class is entirely accurate. Um, it is. So that's it is why a it's every for pop a reason. <laughs> exactly. I know. Okay. It is, is very cliche for a reason. Um, the standing at the bar, the going the up and down, that is literally like you do that at the start of class. The pounding and then of the stick the on the ground. <laughs> Okay, so that's a little Debbie Allen. I'll give you that. I did make that note. I was like, ah, oh, yes. Give it to me, fame. Um, I, I was wondering if that was a deliberate tribute because no. But um, at the same time, every ballet teacher I've ever had was incredibly stern, had the, you know, the high tight bun, mm-hmm. um, you know, whip thin, um, you know, walked like they were floating on air, but not, I don't think I ever had a super warm ballet teacher. I don't know. That's not fair. I loved Miss Marsha. Um, all of the neighborhood girls, we all went to the same class. Um, it was very fun. Um, but it, I was having definite flashbacks to that. So that's funny that you said it was that 
I knew immediately that you hadn't been in a class because I was like, oh no, that's just it. Ah, yes. Yeah, that that's my, my relationship to ballet is through pop culture and actually going to see ballet, but... Did you fetishize it at all as a little kid? Did you, like, idolize ballerinas and want to be, you know, pretty, pretty princess in that way? Or? Um, I didn't want to be a ballerina. Like, I I was not a active physical kid. I think I've said that multiple times on here. Like, that was not a thing. I, the only, like, active thing I ever did was I took karate for, like, two years. Um, oh, cool. I, I liked seeing ballets. Like, my parents and I would go to the Ohio Ballet fairly regularly. And they used to do things in the summer, like in Hudson, they would bring like a show and do it outside. And I like loved that. Um, and I loved movies and I, this book made me obsessed with Capelia, but yes, that's what I was going to say. I, I was not like, I liked it when I saw it, but I never like, I wasn't like overly invested in finding more ballet. I think is probably the best way to say it. Like, I loved it, but it wasn't, like, a thing that I was, like, obsessed with. I I, I think that's probably the the same way that I approached it. Um, Ballet, to me, is similar to the horse girl thing. Um, It tends to be, if you are into ballet, you are into Mm -hmm. ballet. Um, and, And which makes total sense because it's such a demanding profession and exacting and intense and I, I mean I will even as a very small child I was very aware I was like oh this is not for me <laughs> long term like, <laughs> like I, I loved it I don't want it well uh, I mean but, that and that goes to sort of what Jesse describes I mean she gets up at 5 30 every day to practice in her basement before she gets ready mm-hmm. for school and goes to school she uses her babysitting money parts of it to help pay for shoes which is not like a requirement like her parents aren't like you have to if you're going to dance this much you have to donate x amount of your babysitting funds like she just does it because she knows how expensive it is and like yeah yeah that i don't want to i mean i get up early now but that's because yeah if i don't get up early i will never work up work out and i have to go to work but like the thought of getting up at 5 30 when i was 11 years old so i could exercise in the basement for a couple hours like no thank you (laughs) Literally just this past week at, at family game night, my sister and I were complaining about how we used to have to get up at 5.30 every morning in the summer for swim team and how we all hated it. <laughs> um, and yet somehow we went every week. And my mom was just like quietly shuffling the cards. Like, I'm not listening. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I did really appreciate that about Jesse. Mm-hmm. That she was I, – I didn't remember that about Jesse is what I should say. Is that she was so clear repeatedly I don't intend to follow this as a career. Mm-hmm. It's just something I, I'm really passionate about. Right. But I love and, it. And yeah, she's so dedicated to it, which is, again, a nice thing to show girls or not girls, kids that are reading this. Like, if you love something, you're going to have to work hard. But like, it, if you have the talent, like you, you're going to succeed and you're going to just, you have to practice and work hard. And I mean- not everyone's going to be as talented yeah. as Jesse, but like I, I really appreciated that again. And we talk about this on every, not every book, but regularly, like that sort of mirroring aspect mm-hmm. for kids is like Jesse is good at ballet. She works hard at ballet and she succeeds at ballet. And like obviously it's not quite as clear cut on like talent versus practice, but like you have, I mean, you're not going to succeed at something without 
working at it. And I think that I really appreciate that they show Jesse really working at it and coming out as the star of the show in the end. I, yeah, I, um, it's funny. I, I now just thinking about it now, I'm realizing that I think this did sort of shape that I was like, yeah, I'm dancing for fun, but I'm not going to be a, a real ballerina because yeah. Jesse doesn't even want to be a real ballerina and look how much work she's putting into it. Right. So hard, hard pass for like me. I'm good. <laughs> I, I too was an indoor kid. Um, <laughs> so, um, but I, I loved the ballet and I 100% am with you on the Capelia from this book mm-hmm. um, because I thought it made me look super cool because it wasn't one of the like three ballets that everybody knows. Exactly. It wasn't the Nutcracker. It wasn't Sleeping Beauty and it wasn't Swan Lake. Yep. I, I could like, I could tell people, oh, it's Capelia and people would be like, oh, what's that one? Made me feel very much, very oh, smart. Yeah. yeah. I have loved being a know-it-all my entire life. Some <laughs> things never change. Um. So that was that was a big deal to me. That that was one of those unlock aha moments when yep. it came back to me. I was like, like oh, right, that's where that came from. <laughs> um, in fact, reading this book was a really interesting experience for me because, um, so going back to our predictions from last time, I was again I'm about my same batting average, about forty percent. Like I get some <laughs> of the main points, but the details is where I get fuzzy. I, I'm not going to top stop taking swings for the record, but. Um, nor would I, I ask you to, because right. when they're wrong, they are so wrong, and it's so, so entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in this one, my big giant wrong was that she had a cousin or something and already knew it. And mm-hmm. um, uh, so, like I said, I, I, I didn't remember, I didn't think I remembered much of it, but I had the experience reading this one of almost a permanent sense of deja vu. Mm-hmm. Where I was remembering it as I was reading it, which was very strange. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm pretty sure that my idea that it came from a cousin was that it came to her so easily. Um, I retconned that in my brain as she already knew it. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like I said, I did go through a phase where I was very interested in learning ASL. And spoiler, it is hard yes. stuff. Like learning any language. So I think that in my brain, I just wrote it in backstory and, oh, she learned it already. So that's why it came so easily right. to her. Yes. Because it's <laughs> to not make coming myself easily feel to better. me. She clearly already knew it because it did come <laughs> easy to her. I did kind of yes. get a, a sure Jan moment from her at the very beginning of the book, though, where she's like, uh, yes. I've always been good at languages. We went to Mexico for a week and I practically became bilingual. And I was like, Jesse, I know you're 11, yeah. but like, come on. <laughs> so... We did, um, we did say that as much as we love Jessie, and we really do, reading this one, I have fallen for her hard. For sure. There is a part of me that is like, okay, she's a little bit of a Mary Sue. And I, I, I generally hate that phrase because I think it's a lot of, normally it's loaded with a lot of sexist bullshit. Um, but in this case, we're talking about all girls characters. So her being a Mary Sue compared to the other babysitters isn't quite the same thing. Um but just the idea of being a little too perfect in this one. Mm -hmm. Like she's more mature than some of the other girls in this one. And she's the youngest girl. So right. There's a little bit of that, like, okay. um, Overly precociousness that's there to drive the plot rather than as a realistic character point. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, as an example of that, so when at the, after the opening night of Capelia, Jesse and Katie Beth are backstage talking and um, Katie Beth 
admits that she was jealous of Jesse, and that's why she, part of the reason why she was being an asshole. Um, and then Jesse says, you know, I'll confess something. I know this sounds sort of um, goody-goody, but when I was rehearsing Swanilda's role, part of me felt really happy, and another part felt really guilty. Guilty? Why? asked Katie Beth. Because since I got to be Swanilda, no one else did. I felt terrible about that. Isn't that weird? <laughs> and Katie Beth's response yeah. is, I think it's nice. Goody-goody maybe, but nice. But like, come on. Like, own your talent. Like, don't feel bad. And but and like, it, maybe you feel bad because you beat everyone else out. But like, don't say that to the one of the girls you beat out. Like, she doesn't want to hear that you feel bad that you beat her. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and the fact that she took it so graciously the way right. that it was intended, which you know that she wouldn't. Exactly. Um, in, in fact, I did note that as well throughout this one, um, that it, it was interesting that they chose to include that they, again, keep doing that, that Anne chose to include the um, Mean Girl ballerina subplot because this book was so stuffed, there wasn't really a lot of space for it. Mm-hmm. So basically, she just danced really well, and that made them approve which in my right. experience would make is not how that would go <laughs> yes <laughs> um coming from a theater background i can say with all conviction that someone being actually talented does not make me hate them less it goes the other right. way <laughs> yes I, especially when because katie beth and hillary are both 12 so like yeah they're they're not going to approach it with maturity you know like s- some like 14 15 year old maybe would be like Oh, I hate her because she's, you know, I'm, and then realize like, oh, well, she's actually talented. But like a 12 year old is not going to come around that easily, especially when they won't even hold her hand when they're doing like line dancing or whatever it's called, where they have to like hold hands and dance. What is that? Is there like a term for that? <laughs> I'm sure there is, but I don't remember it. Okay. I, again, was not a very good ballerina. Um, <laughs> uh, I was mostly interested in sort of interpretive dancing around the room myself. Um, so I do not remember what it's called when they hold hands in the line. Uh, but I do remember when I was reading this going, oh, oh, is this because she's black? Are we going to get into race now, too, on top of that? <laughs> and I was a little relieved that, um, like I said, I as much as I was a little bummed that we went, we gave Jesse the issue book right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad that we didn't shove, try to tackle the race stuff on top of the death stuff. Like, yes, race definitely. didn't completely disappear. It, it she it doesn't completely disappear. And like we talked about, she they liken the experience and and you know talk about how um, Jesse's different too and and being different mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. Um, but it, race didn't become a focus of it either. It was it was jealousy based, not gross cooties based which right ooh, dodged a bullet um but on that same token i thought it also as much as it was nice to get a different perspective it was very easy and coincidental that oh katie beth also has a deaf sister yeah. who just <laughs> well, happened yeah. to be there <laughs> Convenient. Um, it just it just made me laugh a, a, a lot like i obviously it's suspension of disbelief for all media but especially these right. types of books it's but like, um at the same time i was like oh, okay that was that was just a step too far. Even so, as a kid, I remember so being convenient. like, convenient." Yeah, I, I, even as a kid, I remember being like, "What are the odds?" <laughs> <laughs> Highly unlikely. <laughs> um, any last thoughts on ba- on ballet before we do our random one off thoughts from the book? Uh, no, I thought that that was other than I. I still have harbor some ballerina fantasies very idly, but uh, you know, every once in a while. Who doesn't like to feel, you know, pretty and graceful and elegant um, 
but you know, I don't want any of the hard work. <laughs> very, very fair. Same. I, I don't really harbor any dreams or fantasies or illusions of wanting to be a ballerina, but I definitely don't want the hard work that would come with it either way. Um, it would just be really nice to not fall over every, you know, 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> so what I, I know I have a couple of things that I wanted to point out. Did you have anything that stuck out at you that you wanted to share? I have a few as well. So first one, um, Edie has baby fever, which means Emily Michelle is definitely coming soon. Yep. I did the same thing. I had forgotten about her and then I went, oh, that's right. So, um, that was exciting. Um, I also died because she mentioned how old Edie was, is 37. So, so old. <laughs> so old. And they even note, um, that's a little old to be having a baby. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Jesus. I, I teased it at the beginning. I literally did a spit take when they described Haley's hair. Did you note this? Yes, she has a tail. She has a tail. Haley. Um, a pixie of a girl who must have been Haley, but who looked very small for nine. Her blonde hair was cut short with a little tail in the back. Very in. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. I... No. 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 I wrote rat tail in all caps with a question mark and an exclamation point. Because I, I can't with that. I just, I know I that screamed. there was a time when it was in, sort of. No, it was never in. At least no. not with anyone that I was around. And uh, I, there was one boy in my school who had a rat tail, and we made fun of him mercilessly. I, uh, yeah, very in. I don't think so, Jesse. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> no, I, I, at first I was like, does she mean mullet? But that's not any better. No, I, I, yeah, it, no, it's just not good. <laughs> it, uh, that just. I literally screamed. I was I was taking a sip of my diet coke and I spit it out and went, "What?" <laughs> it was, it was the first time I have truly been appalled. I mean, there have been some doozy outfits that have been, um, oh boy, I would never wear that. But oh my goodness, Whew, that took that that set me. Yeah, no real good fashion in this one. As an aside, since you mentioned doozy fashion, it was all sort of blah. Yeah, um, which kind of makes sense. She's not. Um, Jesse's not overly into that. So that yeah. goes back to our theory of, you know, the description you get is based on the girls. Um, Although she does call to... Claudia exotic again. Mm-hmm. Noted that. Um, I, I don't think that exotic language is going anywhere soon. No, um, I don't think so. Especially since it's also not updated in the books, that, yeah. the versions you're reading. Um, I did think in, so at the beginning of chapter seven, Jesse, I think has the first reference to this being a book. She says that, like, yeah. in the last chapter, she me she mentioned some of the pikes, but here's a list of all of them because she's babysitting with Mallory in that book or in that chapter. And I was like, I don't think that there's ever been a reference to, like, another chapter or the fact that she's writing a book or narrating a book. A book. Uh, um, I didn't – Let me. I've got to find the exact quote because I didn't take it as a book. I took it as it was the first acknowledgement that we were part of the story, that she's telling the story to someone. Well, um, right, but she references the last chapter, which chapter. would be a book. Oh, that's interesting. I did. I missed. You're exactly right. I, I missed that part. That's fascinating. Um, huh. That's interesting. I never really, like, we've touched on it briefly about the, you know, literary um, choices that the book makes sometimes. Um, but the, even though I was an English major, I am not qualified to talk 
in depth about literary techniques. Um, but that's fascinating that they are uh, breaking the fourth wall in that way. Yeah, I was like, that's very weird. <laughs> so I mentioned my uh, how excited I was to see the fame reference. There was one other thing that really stood out at me. Where did it go? Do you have another one while I'm looking for mine? Um, Jesse refers to multiple Lego blocks as Legos, which is not correct. It's multiple Ooh. Lego or Lego. As the, a I'm... Lego nerd. <laughs> yep, I was going to say. Um, oh, uh, we've mentioned it before, but they explicitly call out the fact that all the houses in the neighborhood look the same because they've been built by one guy. Mm -hmm. I guess he didn't have much imagination. Um, so I told you that when I was growing up, all the parent the houses in my parents neighborhood were the same layout internally mm -hmm. um i and my head canon it was the same same guy <laughs> because <laughs> um oh if it's only one guy with no imagination building a neighborhood that's obviously what happened in mine too it's got to be the same person um in ohio go figure definitely <laughs> um i did note this is the first time we've had a concrete reference to timeline in quite some time. Um, they're, they're discussing the fact that Jeff um, had just is settling into California. He's doing well. And Dawn says, I'm pretty sure when the six months are up, um, they'll have to evaluate next steps. So the clock is on. Next time we, you know, talk about Jeff, we're going to have to start marking some time. Accurate. So that's going to be interesting to see how that lays out. Yes. I feel like we're getting to a Halloween something soon. I hope so. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I know, uh, I know for sure when there's a Halloween, but it's a ways off. But I feel like there's a Halloween book in the next, like, five, maybe. I'm trying to – my books are, like, just far enough away that I can't read all the, the titles because of the glare on them. So – I do think that we have, you know, in the next five or so. That's my that's my sort of random prediction <laughs> that we get a Halloween sometime <laughs> soon. I feel like Halloween is the holiday that we get the most in these books with the timeline wonkiness. Like, I don't feel like there's a lot of reference to, like, winter holidays or Thanksgiving as much. That would make sense. I feel like Halloween is probably more important at that age. Yeah. I mean, Christmas, obviously, but, like, book-wise. So I think we maybe have finished our chat about Jesse's secret language, but do you have any final questions, random thoughts, observations? Nope, I'm, I'm ready to start looking ahead. What's okay. on the docket for next week? Well, uh, well, two weeks. Next week we'll two have weeks, another yeah, visit with our quarantine check-in. Uh, I think oh, Marianne's right. coming up next week. So Marianne is next week. So or is two weeks from now. Is it, did we decide Marianne or Stacey? Oh, Stacy. We did say Stacy because she's the remember. third book. We're going in order of yes. the books. So yes. So next week we'll check in with Stacy. Two weeks from now we will be uh, discussing Marianne's bad luck mystery, which I have pretty confident feelings that this is where we find Cookie Mason. That I think you are right. I um, am. I would bet money that Cookie Mason shows up. Because I have okay. pretty pretty solid memories of this book. So I was about to say I don't remember anything, but then you said Koki, and I remember that Koki was introduced as part of Marianne having some kind of bad luck, and Koki was the result of it. Um, 
I don't remember which book that was. I'm pretty sure Koki is the cause of it. That's what I mean. Like, that she's having bad luck and, and Koki was the reason. But I don't remember if that is was just, like, a plot point or uh, probably the, the actual plot of next book. Yes. Um, I'm remembering something about a mustard seed. Yes. She gets sent – Marion gets sent a necklace. She gets sent, like, letters – that look like kidnapped oh, chain ransom. <gasps> no. Well, that's the first thing. She gets a, a chain letter, and I think she doesn't send it. So that's where she thinks all the bad luck is coming around. But she gets, like, kidnapper-style ransom note-looking things, like, with letters cut out of magazines from, like, a – and again, I now I'm thinking that I'm pulling this from Christie's Mystery Admirer. Spoiler <laughs> alert. I'm pretty sure she gets – because she gets sent this – necklace it's like a a hollow glass ball with a seed inside it which turns out to be a mustard seed which i think in reality is actually not bad luck there i think mustard seeds are good luck good luck i think that's what it was she's told that it's bad luck the letter i'm almost certain it's like a kidnapping ransom note looking letter that says this is bad luck wear it or bad things are going to happen or something like which makes no sense because like if it's bad luck why would you wear it why would you keep it yeah but i for whatever Um, reason she gets like scared into wearing it and she keeps having bad things happen and i think it's all a trick because she wants koki wants logan Logan to break up with marianne so that she can date him that's my i remember that (laughs) that um we're getting super specific but i'm mustard seed was just like yeah screaming my name um because, and I, the reason mustard seed stuck so out for me is that I was obsessed. Do you remember those rice, your name on a grain oh, of rice? Oh, yeah. Like you get them at the mall or, you know, yep. Six Flags Amusement or whatever. Park. That's what I was going to say. Of course, you know, you worked at Six Flags for years. There, there was, I'm sure, 10 of those stands in there because yes. I got mine from Kings Island. Um, and I did not know what a mustard seed was exactly. Oh. So I just filled in Assumed. oh it's like those grain yeah. of rice things from from the um, amusement park so that's why that always stuck in my brain i had like conflated those two things yeah no that i can totally because that i mean the i feel like I, my envisioning of it was like like a one inch diameter like glass globe with like a tiny little seed in it but i can totally understand and I don't remember how it was described, but like that's what's stuck in my head as the description. And so, like, however it's described, my guess is that your envisioning of it also totally makes sense. Yeah, or I, or I just equated it in my brain and <laughs> filled in the details, which I do that a lot. So, also possible. We will find out in two weeks. <laughs> I can't wait. I um, can't wait too. Okay, so now any. Any final remaining thoughts, questions, comments, concerns about this book or anything else? You know, I do have some deep philosophical (laughs) complaints that I think we should dive into, but, um, you know, I'll spare you for now. Plus I'm really hungry. So, um, (laughs) that's fair. I, I think, um, I would just like to go on the record again and say, we'd love to hear from people, especially if we have any members of the deaf community or have experience from the deaf community. Mm -hmm. I'd be fascinated to hear more about what your experience of this book was. If you felt that it was representative in in a good way, Um, because you know, we got our outsider perspective. So why don't you remind everybody where they can find us? Yes. You can uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at generation BSC, and you can email us at generation BSC at gmail.com. And with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to your friends.